Well, good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, I'm thankful to be here. So um, my ministry is called Cross Country Evangelism. It's a ministry where we publicly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we exalt Jesus Christ in the public forum. A lot of college campuses or festivals, street corners. That's uh, basically what we do. And uh, I, I wouldn't dream that I'd end up here preaching this Sunday morning if you asked me this uh, 15 years ago when the Lord called me into the ministry of cross-country evangelism and going around the world preaching the gospel. So, uh, yeah, it is, it is a pleasure, and uh, it's been a wonderful journey that the Lord has brought me on to bring me to this place. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, O Lord. We thank you for another day of life. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. You provide all of our needs abundantly above all we could ask or think. But we do ask now, Lord, that uh, your word would penetrate, that the gospel would be made known, and that you would be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for our time together. Please fill us with your spirit now. May you get all the glory, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, if you will, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 24 to the end of the chapter. Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians. And here's the Apostle Paul speaking in verse 24. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So uh, here we are in uh, Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, it's Cross Corinthians, that's what it means in the Greek, to the Corinthians. And Paul had planted this church in Corinth. He planted it in a pagan society. It was a degraded culture. I mean, he planted this church, and, and right up, not far from there was the temple of Aphrodite. And uh, she was the goddess of sensuality and love. Also, Corinth was known for the Isthmian Games, and that was at like sort of like the Olympics, and that was to the god of the sea, Poseidon. So Paul pl plants this church there, and he it's the hub of uh, commerce. A lot of 
commerce comes in and out of there. It was a place that got a lot of people in and out of there. There was, a, there was always people in this area. And the Apostle Paul loved the church at Corinth. And we know that because he doesn't just write one letter to them, but he, he writes two letters to them. And he, he starts off the first two chapters of Corinthians. He shows his love towards the Corinthians by telling them about the gospel and how important it was. He says, I've determined to know nothing among you, brethren, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, we didn't come with the the power of words or the power of what men, the power of men, he says, but we've preached Christ and him crucified. He says, it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He says, we preach Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. John Calvin said that Christ is what God wanted to say and Christ is how he said it. That was so important to Paul that they would understand the gospel. But he said, it's the, the, the gospel is the, is the power of God unto salvation, but to those who, who are perishing, it is foolishness. And he loved them enough to, to build the foundation of the gospel. And then here we are in chapter 9, and He's once again, he, he cares about him. He loves him. And he's saying, listen, he says, we're in a race. And we need to run right. We need to run that race. So run that ye may obtain, he tells them. And Paul has used different types of allegories. He talks about how he talked about agriculture. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gives the increase. He talked about a building. No other foundation can any man lay. That is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He said, I'm a master builder. And now here he is. He's, he's talking about a race. He's talking about sports in this part of the chapter. And Paul liked to use rhetoric and rhetoric is simply, it's uh, telling someone uh, with a question that they would already know the answer to. He would say, you know, and, and it would give a heartily, of course, or yes. And that's really what he's doing here. Let's look at the first part of this verse. He says, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So he's saying, he's saying this with the intention that they would know this. And especially his, his uh, audience there in Corinth, once again, they, they had the Isthmian games there. So they would know about what running races. They would know about wrestling. They would know about boxing. And so they, he would be talking to them about this race. But once again, he's not, in a sense, talking about a literal race. He's talking about their Christian life. He's talking about the life that a Christian is involved in, this race of life, if you will. And that's what he's talking about. And I would say it's a pilgrimage. It's, it's the, the life 
that God has given us as Christians and how, to, how we would walk it or how we would run that, that race of life. And I think of when Jacob stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? And he said, the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. And we are on a pilgrimage. And when I think of the pilgrimage, I think of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, where Pilgrim is reading from the book, and he sees that his city is to be destroyed. And he starts his journey, and he meets up with Evangelist, and Evangelist tells him to run. He says, run to the light. Run to the yonder wicked gate. And as he starts his pilgrimage, he runs into a lot of different things that happen to him. He falls into the slough of despond. He ends up at Doubting Castle. And he meets giant despair. In his travels, he has to travel through Vanity Fair. And how is not the Christian life like that in our lives? In the things that go on in our lives? So this is a race that we have, this pilgrimage, this life that God has given us. And who are the participants of this race? Well, really, it's every single person alive. But the, the, the sad part of this race is that many of them are just spectators on the outside looking in and not being part of the Christian life and living their life for Christ. So they're there to be in this race, but yet they're, part they're not participating. And they're looking at us who are actually running the race. And what do you think they're thinking? What do you think these people are thinking? They're like, look what they're doing. I mean, they're running this race. And for what? I mean, they're here on a, they go out on a Sunday morning and spend their afternoon at church, for what? And they look at this as some sort of waste of time. They're thinking, well, Sunday's my one day off. I want to use it for me. I want to enjoy my time. And they're looking at this race as if we're running it and we're foolish. They're looking at it like, how could they talk about this God of theirs, this pie-in-the-sky God who, who they would say doesn't even exist, and yet they dedicate their lives and their time to him? I mean, seriously? And then husbands and wives are home uh, right after dinner. They're, they have their family, and they're catechizing them, and they're doing family worship. And like, what a waste of time that the world is looking at us as we do these things for the Lord and for his glory. So we have the, the unbelievers who are supposed to be in this race, but they're looking at it like it's foolishness. And then we have the false professors. There's people that are actually look like they're running the race. And they look like they're running it with us. But yet, they're not. Because they're not truly believers. They're doing the things that the church does. They're saying the Christianese. But they're not living the life that Christ has commanded them. They're not running the race right. 
They look like they're one of us. They talk like one of us. But the actuality is they're not even really in the race. And they're the people I fear are going to hear. When he, when he says to me, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we run that race that you told us to run? He's going to say, I never knew you. Because you were running your own race. You weren't running the race that I had put before you. Not every slothful churchman and lead-footed professor is going to make it to heaven. He says, those who do the will of my father, the active ones who are running this race, they're going to make it. And, and what is the goal of our, of our race? So we're, we're running this race, and it talks about this prize here in, the, in that verse. It talks about the prize that we're running to. It's not just getting to heaven and, hey, we made it. We made it. No. See, it's more than just heaven. I look at heaven as the, the finish line. That's where, where it ends. We are going to get a crown. But I don't think we're going to be wanting to walk around strutting around heaven with our crown on in the midst of Christ. Many of us are going to cast our crowns at the foot of Christ. But even that is not our, our goal and our prize. Christ is our prize. Jesus is what we're running to. He's the one that, that our hearts long for, that, are, that we're living our lives, that we're running this race to, to see Christ in all of his glory and to be with him and to worship him. Yes, we get streets of gold, mansions, gates of pearl. Those are wonderful benefits, but that is not what our, our goal is in life. It's to be with Christ. And even the thief on the cross, as he hung there bleeding and dying, he said to him, he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what Jesus said, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise was not the key point there. Although it's great, but it was you'll be with me. You'll be with Jesus. That's our prize. That's our treasure and our exceeding great reward, Jesus Christ. So we need to run that race with our eyes fixed on him so that we can run well. So that we can attain the prize that we long for, him. So when he says, so run that you may obtain. What type of running is he talking about? Well, I think he's talking first about fleeing. When I remember in Pilgrim's Progress, when Christian gets the scroll and he sees it, it says, flee the wrath to come. And they say, well, what is this fleeing? Well, in, in Joshua, when someone would uh, kill someone, they had a city of refuge. And the avenger of blood would be after them, the person who killed somebody. And they would, they would have to run to the city of refuge. They had to run for their life. That's what this fleeing is. It's running for your life. 
Think about when Joseph was in Potiphar's home and Potiphar's wife seduced him every day. And then finally she grabbed hold of him and he, he said, no, I cannot do this evil in the sight of God. And he ran and he pulled her, she pulled his garment and he ran for his life. That's what this fleeing is. It's running with, with abandon, just going for the goal. Another part of running is, talks about pressing. The Bible talks about it. You ever see a sprinter when he's running as fast as he can run? And just as he's getting to that finish line, he, he leans forward. He thrusts himself forward to get over that finish line. I even saw one guy literally was running and dove to get over the finish line. That's how bad he wanted to win. And he put his whole body and his whole being. And that's what it's talking about. Pressing. Paul says in Philippians 3. He says reaching forward. I press toward. He's reaching. He's pressing toward. He wants to get there. And he's doing what he has to do. To get there. Struggling to get there. So he's pressing. And then ultimately... His run is, is persevering. As Paul tells the Galatians, he says, he says, if you continue in the faith, settled and grounded, it's a perseverance in our running. We run with an urgency, but we persevere. We endure. It's an enduring. He who endures till the end shall be saved. And we have to understand that we have a long way to go and a short time to get there. We don't have a lot, of, a lot of time here. And we need to be fixed. We need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, thinking about that great day that's coming, living our lives, pressing and enduring to the end. And it's so important when you're in this race and you're running it, that you're running the right way. I mean, you have to run the right way. And Jesus tells us that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. He says, I am the gate. He said, I am the door. He's the way. That's the way we need to be running. Who's the football player? Wrong way, Marshall. He picked up the football and he ran into the wrong end zone. He thought he scored a touchdown. He gave the team, the other team, two points. We need to make sure we're running right. We don't want to be the one who gets to the end of the race and realizes we went the wrong way. No, we need to know that we're running right. And if we're looking at Christ, if we're keeping our heart and our mind stayed on him, we're running in the right direction. And many people... In today's day and age, we'll tell you, it really doesn't matter, you know, how you believe in Jesus or what. Because ultimately, we're all, we're all going to get to the same place. I mean, you've heard that on Oprah probably and other things. You've heard people say things like that. That, you know, ultimately, yeah, all the roads are going to lead to God. There's no doubt about that. But they all don't lead to heaven. 
They all lead to God, but what's going to matter is what God says on that day when you stand before the judgment seat. What is he going to say? So we need to look to Christ because that's our only hope that we have to actually get to where we need to go. And as we run this race, many people, they start out real strong and they start running that race, but then life brings a cross and they look at this and they go, how could a loving God do this to me? How can this happen? How can you take my loved one? I, I, don't, I don't think I can run this race anymore. Life puts a cross. And we're promised that. God promises that we will have trials and tribulations. Man born a woman is just a few days and full of trouble. Paul says, I'm troubled on every side. That's part of what's going to happen in this life. We're going to get a cross. Too bad we can't be like the martyrs who were going to the stake and they were singing praises to God. And Spurgeon says, as they clapped their hands and every finger was a candle, they, they knew what they were doing. They, they loved the Lord and they were willing to, to take up their cross, deny themselves and follow him, no matter what the cost. And we're no different. We need to count the cost, but also life is going to bring crosses into our life. And how are you going to handle it when something hard comes and hits you blindsided? Will you be able to say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That should be our hearts. Not to minimize the pain and the suffering that we, we, we experience, but we are told to deny ourselves, take up our cross, or take up our cross. And Jesus said, You will have trials and tribulations. He says, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, so this life is fleeting, and whatever we deal with, it's temporal. Verse 25. Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. That striveth for mastery is uh, anyone who's competing in the games. That word to strive, I have the King James Version, that's what they use that word term, strive. But stri we know strive, and, and it's from the word agonizame. It means where we get our word agonize or agony. And that is what He's saying, he's saying we're to strive. And Jesus even tells us, what does he say? He says, strive to enter in through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And there be many that travel it. It's a narrow way. And we need to strive to get in that. See, the world will tell us it's a, it's a broad way that leads to life. Living on the broad way. No. Jesus tells us it's narrow, it's fine, it's through him and him alone. See, the world is going to not like that, that he's the only way, that the, the, the many roads only go through him. That's, the, that's what's 
to get to the road that leads to life is through Jesus Christ. He tells us he's the way. And we're to strive. The Bible talks about striving in other places too. It talks about it in, in Hebrews. He talks about strive to enter into that rest. So whatever we're going through, if we're striving to get to where we got to go, to our, our ultimate place, there's a rest waiting us. It's great news for working men who've been working their whole lives, striving to make ends meet, striving for your families. But someday there's going to be a rest. And we can strive, I think, when we know that there is hope at the end, that there is a, a finish, that there is a day of peace and rest that should make it worth whatever we're going through and knowing that Christ is our peace and rest. And he says here, he says, and is temperate in all things. That word temperate is self-controlled. Think about an athlete, what he does with his body. He is, he's self-controlled. He can't go out and eat Burger King every night, go to Big John's, and have heroes and, and Philly cheesesteaks. No, he's got to watch what he eats. He has to be temperate and self-controlled in his exercise. He has to make sure, I don't feel like doing it today. Oh, it's 3 o'clock. I go and work out at the gym. I don't feel like doing it. No, he, he puts himself through it. He's, he's disciplined. And his sleep, he makes sure he gets enough sleep. So he's rested, so his body can heal. So, so he's very, he's self-controlled in, in, in what he does. And as Christians, we're to be self-controlled. We're to be disciplined like the, like the athlete there. And how do we do that as Christians? Well, as Christians, we are called disciples. That's the root word of discipline. We're to be disciplined. So what do, how do we do that? We're to be in the word. We need to be in God's word. We need to be daily seeking the Lord. I mean, we say we love God. And if we're not in his word, then how do we hear from him? See, this is what happens when you don't read your Bible. You see people saying, oh, I was, in, I, I was sleeping and in a dream. God spoke to me. When they're not looking at the word of God, this is how God speaks to men and women today, through his written word. And... As Christians, we need to be daily, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in that word, we as Christians, we should not be happy with just milk. We should be diving deep and wanting to know as much as we can about the God that we say that we love. Every Christian should be a theologian. I mean... We should be so in the word. You're going to be dealing with friends and family who, who don't really read the word. And now if you're not reading the word, how are you going to tell anyone what's in here? That's why it's so important that we are daily in the word of God, that we are daily feeding our body and our mind and our soul through God's word. And we could say like Job, he says, I desire your word more than my necessary food. Or even like when Jesus rebukes the devil, he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
And that we can be like King David who said, your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. So we need to be disciplined in that, in the word of God. We need to be disciplined in attending church, gathering ourselves together as saints coming together with a fellowship of the saints that's so important in our lives is that we, we have that, we, that we, we attend prayer meetings. Yeah, sometimes it's hard during the week. You're tired. You don't feel like you're like a... No, you have to be disciplined. You have to say, in spite of the way I feel, I'm going to step out. And, I, and have you ever come back after a, a prayer meeting and feel like, oh, that was a waste of time? No, you will come walk out of there. You say, praise God, we gathered as saints and we, we sought the Lord. And we, you walk out of there and you feel better about yourself that you didn't just go home and lay on the couch and flick on the TV. No, you came together and you, worship, and you worshiped and you thanked God for what he's done in your life. You gave him praise. And that's what we need to do. We need to stay steadfast. And we need to be faithful. Faithful in the winning of souls for Christ. That's why we're here. That's why the church is here. Now, my ministry, you know, we, we love to go and do this. This is a joy to us to go out into the highways and the byways and get right in the thick of it. We were just down in uh, the uh, Ivy Leagues preaching out there. And it's, uh, there's no greater joy to be out there and, and to be in the, the thick of it, in the, where the battle is raging out for the souls of men and, and, and wherever that brings you. I'm not expecting everyone to come out and do it like me where I stand on a corner and preach to somebody or go in the middle of a campus and preach. But God has put you in a place of your position at your job, with your family, raising children. You have your ministries just in that alone. And, but you're to be faithful. You're to be ones who are, who are leading people to Christ uh, when your opportunities are given, uh, you know, especially at work. A lot of people want to say, you know, well, I, I don't want to really do it at work because, you know, people don't understand. Or well, You listen to what other people talk about at work. It's, it's, it's probably vile, some of it. And yet, Yet we don't want to bring the name of Jesus Christ when someone can talk like that. No, we need, to, we need to be focused when we're there. I mean, we do it in love, but we still have to be bold and, and not bow away. And regardless of how people take it, whether you have a laughing stock because, oh, you're a Christian, oh, you're a Jesus freak, oh, we're one of those, so be it. Yes, yes, I am. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to serve him wholeheartedly despite of what the world thinks. If we went by what the world thinks, we'd all be hiding under a, a rock right now, but that's not the case. We're to be bold for Christ, and we're to seek the souls of men. And he says, he says and they do this, the ones who are running this race, they do it for a corruptible crown. They used to take the pine boughs, and they'd weave them together, and they'd put it on the winner on his head, and then a week later, that pine bough is probably destroyed and dried out. Today we get trophies and medals running races and stuff like that. And uh, I couldn't tell you where any of my trophies are today. Probably in a box somewhere. My sister's probably stashed it in some room. And, and they're really insignificant at this point. I don't really think about them ever. 
until this now when I mentioned it. But, uh, you know, that's what happens. You know, you talk about the Super Bowl victories and all this. You know, who won 10 years ago? No one can tell us, probably. But those things seemed important. But, but we don't do it for that. We're not doing it for that. We're doing it for a crown that doesn't fade away. We're doing it for an incorruptible crown. And, and Peter tells us that. He says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, he's going to give us a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. What a day that will be when we get crowns that won't fade away. And like I said before, it'll be not to uh, strut around heaven with, but they'll be to cast at the feet of Christ. Now, maybe we do wear crowns in heaven, not negating that, but our hearts are that we want to make sure that Christ gets his glory, and I want him to have my crown. And Paul says to the Philippians and the Thessalonians, he said, you are my joy and crown. He's telling them they, they are, because he worked hard, he labored hard for them, and he, he, wanted to, he wanted to see them all in heaven. And he says, you're my crown. And then here he says this in 2 Timothy. He says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. This is a promise. And not only me, but all them that loved his appearing. See, not only, not only him, but us. We're going to have that joy also. And then he says in verse 26, he says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. Paul did nothing uncertainly. Paul was very purposed. He was just like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ had a short time in this earth, and he knew it. And everything he did, he was purposeful. Just like the Apostle Paul. And it says of Samuel that when he spoke, not a word fell to the ground. And nor, nor did the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and I really feel Paul, too, uh, is in that line. Where everything he did, he did, he did with purpose. And he was determined. And, and, it, and he's, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, so we need to, to look at the Apostle Paul here. And, and he didn't live haphazardly. He lived with his mind and heart set on what he was called to do. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ said, he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem because he knew he was going to be crucified. And he didn't have a long life. He had a very short life, the Lord. So he, he lived with an urgency. And, and, I, and I think that that's important for us too, not to live our lives just haphazardly or aimlessly, but live our lives with urgency and direction. And I think so often we get so, so sidetracked in our lives that we, we start to not think about the things that are really important. Set your mind on things above not on the things of this world. Anyway, I, th I think we should examine ourselves, make sure, like, like what, are, what is important in our lives? What, is our, what are our children seeing that's important in our lives? How are we living our life before a, a lost and dying world? Are they seeing us living different? And our affections are not here, but our affections are on 
the things above. So we, we need to be purposeful. And Paul says, he says, I so run, not uncertainly. And he can say that because in, uh, in 2 Timothy, he says, I finished the race. I have fought the good fight. He, he did it. He says, I finished the race. So we, so we know that he didn't do it in, a, in an aimless type of way. He says, and so I fight, not as one that beateth the air. Paul, he's, he, he fought. He, he, he was a, he's saying, I endured hardships. I mean, that's how, that's how he fought. Listen to, what he, listen to what he goes through. I mean, we're going to have hardships too. He says this. This is what the apostle Paul, he, he, didn't, he didn't just punch the air. He, he fought hard. And, and this is what he went through. He said, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. He says, thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, and in watchings often, in hunger, thirst, and in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Paul went through hard things. He fought hard. And we're going to go through hard things. I love what the, the Puritan Thomas Watson says. He says, he says, hardships are lasting, but they're not everlasting. And it's so true. These, these momentary light afflictions, these hardships of life are just fleeting. And someday it's all going to be over. And just like the Bible tells us, it says like a, when a woman gives birth, she forgets the pain that she went through when the baby is in her arms. And that's what this life is going to be. These hard things and these things that we're going through are, are nothing to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed on that day. So many people think, you know, I'll get the questions of this life answered. I really don't think we're going to care. I think we're going to be so enamored with our, with our Lord, with our great prize, Christ, that the things of this world are going are to be very dim and not going to think much about it. Because we're going to be in his glory, basking in his glory. He says, but I keep, he last, the last verse, verse 27, he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself am a castaway. He keeps his body under subjection. And he says, he fasted. He said that he, he, went, without, he went without food. He went cold. And he did all these things. But I think even more here than just the, the physical, Paul was not going to obey the lusts of his flesh. He was not going to let sin have dominion over him. He fought against it. It says he, he buffeted his body. He disciplined his body. And he went through many hard things. And it was so that he can preach the gospel unhindered. He says, when I have preached to others, it was so important to him, the gospel, to preach about Christ to others. And that's the same for us. That should be important in our lives. We should be thinking about 
when we're in conversations, how can I steer this to the gospel? How can I bring up Christ here and glorify him in my conversation and, and all that I do? How can I do that? And he says, you know, he, so he, he said, sin shall not have dominion over us. And no one struggled. Like Paul, he said, he said oh, this, who will deliver me from this body of this death? Oh, wretched man that I am, he says. He, he battled with it. So whatever you're battling with, Paul was the chief of sinners. That's what he described himself as, the chief of sinners. If God can save the chief of sinners and God can help the chief of sinners be a vessel for honor, he can take you and he can use your life. But we need to run that race right. And then very last verse, part of the verse, he says, he says, I myself should be a castaway. Paul wasn't talking about losing his salvation in any way. Paul knew that to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And he says it, he says, I have a crown of glory laid up for me. We just read that. And not me and all, and all us. So he wasn't talking about, but he was talking about, he didn't want to disqualify himself through his being accused of some sort of sin that it would look like, oh, the apostle Paul, he fell. No, he didn't want to be disqualified. He wanted to make sure that he walked upright in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. He wanted to walk upright in the midst of people who, who hated God. And that should be a reminder for us that we live in a generation that wants nothing to do with God and with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we're to walk upright even in the midst of that. We're to be bold and tell people that there is hope in Jesus Christ. So how can we do this? How can we apply this to our lives? How, how can we work this into our life? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to guard our hearts and our minds. We have to Keep our minds on things above. We need to be in the word. The Bible tells us, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be daily in the word of God. We need to be seeking him in prayer. I mean, we say we love God. Well, if I'm having communion with God and I love him, what am I going to do? I'm going to speak to him. If I say, you say you love your wife, but you never talk to her, I'd say, well, I don't know if you really love her. I mean, you give her five minutes at the end of the day after you get home and you go right to bed. There's not a lot of love there. And if that's what we're doing with the, the word of God and prayer, then we're really saying, yeah, we love them, but with our, with our mouths, but not really with our hearts. So we have to make sure that we are drawing close to God through his word and that we are in prayer daily, not just haphazardly, but but prayerfully throughout the day, all things that pop up in our lives that we're praying about it, that we're bringing it before the Lord. And never mind the, the really big things of where am I going to live? Am I going to buy this house? Am I going to marry this woman? There's important things. We need to lay it all before God. I think when Hezekiah got the news that the, the Assyrians were going to take Jerusalem and they threatened them, he laid out the 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 scroll before the Lord and he got on his face and he cried out to the Lord. That's what we need to do. We need to be in, in touch with, uh, with God daily. So we need to keep our hearts in a mind state in. We need to 
keep our, uh, our uh, guard our ministries wherever God has you. That's so important that, that we're doing the right things that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to, uh, you know, when, when you have service, make sure you're here, things like that. Go, your children, raising them up in the way they should go. And, uh, you know, and then ultimately, like I said before, that this race is, is not how you start it, but it's how you finish it. And we want to finish well. We want to get to that, the finish line, but ultimately we want the prize. We want Christ. And in Hebrews, he tells us exactly how to do it. He says, throw off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance or perseverance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to keep our eyes on Christ. We need to look to him. That's the only way we're going to do it. That's the only way we're going to make it to the end, is looking to Christ and looking at what he went through in his life and that the, the servant is not greater than his master. He went through hardships that, that we may, I pray that we never would have to go through, crucifixion, beatings, and ultimately the God pouring his wrath on him on the cross. And praise God, we'll never experience that. We will never experience. And he, and he went to that cross with joy, it tells us. But praise God, we won't have to ever experience that. So that's what we need to do. We need to look to Christ. We need to bring everything before him. We need to live for him. And that someday we stand before him after we finish our hard race, after we've taken up our cross, after we've fleed, pressed, and endured to the end, running that race, that someday we'll heal well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I'm living for. That's it. That's the main thing, is that time that when I stand before him, I hope you do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes to see the, the race, the pilgrimage that you've given us. And Lord, help us to endure. Help us to run strong. Help us to keep our bodies under subjection. Help us to keep our minds and our hearts stayed on you. Help us to be in your word and prayerful in all that we do throughout our days. And then when this life is over, Lord, that we get to be with you that we get to enjoy you forever. Oh, thank you for this privilege that you've given us. Thank you for life eternal. Let us run with perseverance, Lord, our race that you've given us. Help us to do so, that we would bring you all the glory that is worthy of you, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised, O God. So help us today keep our hearts and minds on you, and that you would be glorified, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.